It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I am here with my friend, Zerlina Maxwell, and we are joined right now by two women who have written a book that we were very excited to discuss. The book is called We Are Not Like Them, and we are thrilled to welcome Christine Pride and Joe Piazza. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Good morning. Hey, ladies. Thank you for having us. So, so as soon it? as we saw this book, we were like, yes, we have to talk to them. Obviously no, we do every day on the show. <laughs> we, we talk about, um, you know, what it's like to, to go in the world, like walk around in the world together. We used to do this in the before times in Manhattan. Yes. We were like an interracial broad city episode. Um, <laughs> and, uh, oh, wait, you guys, that's a TV show. We're just an interracial know, broad right? city. <laughs> We should write this. It's a good yes, pitch. I think this is a, a great pitch. We will write it with us. you. We <laughs> okay. All right. We'll talk offline. Perfect. Perfect. So I guess my first question um, is to either one of you can can jump in too. It's like, you know, you how did you guys first meet? Just sort of give us the backstory of your or origin story of your friendship. <laughs> Um, and how it's- we call it our meet cute. Our meet cute. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, do it. Meet cute. Do it. Yeah, I was actually Joe's editor at Simon and Schuster. I was working there full time as an editor, and Joe uh, wrote an amazing novel called Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win. Uh, and I was her editor, and we worked. Which I will say, I will interject when I was writing Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win. Um, I believe these ladies were on the Hillary campaign. Oh, yes. Following yes. them. So mm -hmm. astutely, and I was obsessed with everything you were doing. But <laughs> so you know all about this novel and how great it is. We do. Um, and Joe and I, uh, we're like in the trenches together working on it. We just developed a really close relationship professionally, but also a friendship. And we, like you guys, loved hanging out together. And uh, we knew we wanted to be in each other's lives for a long time. And so we just decided to start seeing what else we could work on together. Uh, and this was spring 2018, and I'd had this idea uh, about a friendship affected uh, by a police shooting, a black woman and a white woman, and we started talking and talking and talking, and We Are Not Like Them was born from there. All these years later, here we are. Can I ask about the title? Like, what, what is We Are Not Like Them? What is the positioning of that? Like, who is the them there? <laughs> There's, well, that's the thing. Like, it can mean so many different things. And, mm -hmm. you know, in one sense, it's the, it's about the tribalism that we see in the identity politics in America today. It's like, oh, we're here in our bubble. We are not like them. They are different from us. Um, and then in a different sense, it's about these two women's friendship their, and their bond. And they see other people going through shit and their friendship's not lasting, but they're like, no, no, no. We, the, we as these two ladies and our lifelong friendship, we're not like them. We're, we have something special and different. Mm -hmm. Why do you what think more people don't have interracial friendships? Like white people don't have black friends. I think that's one of the biggest problems that we have in this country right now. Is <laughs> white that, like, people don't have sure What's friends. up with that? Sure do not. In fact, the math bears that out. I mean, we always trot out this statistic that 75% actually of white people don't have a friend of another race. So those are just the facts. And I think it's a, a lot of it is just our society is so segregated, right? Like 
schools and where you live and the bars you hang out at. Uh, it's just hard to be around people of another race, right? To make those kind of intimate connections. And then people don't seek them out beyond that. It's really, really easy to stay in your comfort zone and in your bubble and, you know, keep the friends that you've had. It's hard to make new friends in general. And especially as a grown ass woman, really, I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to make a new friend as a grown ass woman? Right. right. Of any color. <laughs> We're busy. Exactly. exactly. Anyway, <laughs> you know, we've been thinking about this so much and talking about it more now that we're on book tour actually than we even did when we were writing the book. And I think some of it has to do with the fact that we want our friendships to be like kind of a safe place and a soft landing place. And mm -hmm. we want them, so we want them to be very comfortable and easy if they can be, because our family relationships are fraught. Our relationship with our spouse is fraught. Work relationships can be fraught. And we're like, can friendship just be easy? And we think it'll be easier if it's someone that's like us. We don't say that out loud, mm -hmm. but I think in our brain is like, oh, you're similar to me. So this will be an easier friendship. Hmm. That's not been my experience. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, one of the other things about the book is that it takes place in Philadelphia, which I think is important because Philadelphia uh, has certain things about it that are specific <laughs> and not just the word John. Um, so you, <laughs> um, it's a great word. Yeah, it's, it's a great right? word. It's, it's really good. Um, I, I really oh. like, you know, I have some really close friends who are originally from Philadelphia and my dad is from outside Philadelphia. So I, it's, it's, I feel warm feelings when I think about it, but talk about how important it is to have the story set there because it's a, you know, it's a city that has a history, um, you know, that's complicated in terms of race relations, uh, in terms of the black community and police. So talk about why that that's such a critical piece of this too. Well, I'll let Joe take that because she has more Philly pride oh, than I anyone I know. Oh, I want to talk about Philadelphia all day long. I wrote, I wrote a whole essay for Philly Mag because I just moved back from home about how San Francisco's terrible and Philadelphia's the greatest <laughs> city on the planet. Um, so it meant a lot to me to set the novel in Philadelphia. It was also, it was a city I could write, you know, it was a city that it felt real to me. I grew up in the suburbs. I went to Penn I lived there. Now I'm raising my family there. And Philadelphia is very specific in terms of race relations. I will say it's, it's a very diverse city um, in so many ways. I, when I was in San Francisco, I mean, San Francisco was maybe the whitest city that I've ever been in, in my entire life. If to yeah. the point that I was uncomfortable mm -hmm. being there and I, I knew I did not want to raise my son there and it was amazing coming back to Philly we move here I would go to the public pool and there was just like literally everybody everybody goes to this public pool and it was just nice to see such diversity again there's a lot of neighborhoods where and it was important to us that our characters Jen and Riley had been friends since they were little girls because that's also a time when you don't talk about race and you don't develop that muscle so we're like where could they live that they would be down the street from each other right? Um, in like in a very, in a mixed neighborhood. And because a lot of neighborhoods are segregated, Philly still has so many of those neighborhoods and had so many of those neighborhoods and schools that were pretty diverse back in the late eighties, early nineties, um, which we went through the statistics and, oh, history <laughs> and the neighborhood demographics of everything. But then Philadelphia has such, like every big city in America has a fraught, racial history and a history of systemic racism. But 
you know, Philadelphia has such um, a fraught history when it comes to the Black community and policing. And we dug into that a little bit in the book with Mayor Frank Rizzo, who used to be the police commissioner. And there's that famous photo of him, which we originally referenced in an earlier draft, where he's in a tuxedo um, looking, looking down on a group of Black men that have just been arrested for protesting um, with a like billy club in his cummerbund. Mm -hmm. um, and that image stuck with us uh, when we were thinking about what has the relationship between the Black community and the police been like in Philadelphia for the past hundred years. And honestly, nothing has changed. But while we were writing this book though, Philadelphia did get um, their first Black woman police commissioner. Mm -hmm. uh, which was so interesting and I mean, that's a whole I'm like I'm like she is a whole other book she is a whole other novel of what she has to deal with in the city right now but Philadelphia was the perfect place for this book it could not have been set anywhere else when okay so so I, I thinking about the idea of friendships as safe space and how it, if you have an interracial friendship it means that you're going to have conversations about race which i guess if you feel like that is not a part of your like i never feel safer than when i'm in a group that is capable of talking about this stuff because then i then i know i can just bring my whole self to the crew uh -huh. and it feels good and i i mean friendship as safe space means that i get to ask serlina questions that um, I would be embarrassed to ask out loud. Although I'm, I'm learning to like be embarrassed in public. <laughs> like I'm learning to educate myself out loud on air so that uh, you know other people might feel okay doing the same thing. But like we can have the kinds of of safe conversations about race that you wouldn't want to do with somebody who you hadn't formed a real foundation with right. because they wouldn't understand yeah. where the questions are coming from. And it works both ways. But I don't see how that dynamic creates anything other than safety. And that means when there's something like the, the, you know, the, the racial uprising of last summer, we have something built that allows us to keep communicating about that. It doesn't have to be an event that causes a rift in the friendship because we already know where we're coming from on those issues. And I can be like, hey, give your white friends my number so that I can tell them what books to read and you don't have to deal with that right now. Yes, like, amen. Yes, amen so talk, I, I guess, talk a little bit about like the 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 defining moment, the police violence in in the book, and like, what did you want to show? How did you want to show that affecting the friendship? Well, I think it's just like you said, you really need this foundation of trust to be able to be your authentic self in any relationship, right? Like that's universal. And I'm a black woman. We have to like specify that on the radio right but this is christine talking and um <laughs> and you really you you need to be able to trust the person that you're talking to to bring your authentic self and to share things and to be able to trust their reaction to that that they're not going to be dismissive that they're not going to gaslight you that they're not going to be more upset about something than even you are right. uh, and that just takes time to build and you know, you said something like you can't really be a close friend or have a close friend in another race unless you can talk about race. And that's what we're really trying to get across here in the book. And also, you know, Joe and I experienced this in our own friendship. Like you cannot have a level of intimacy if we cannot talk about these things. And yet it is a process to get there to be able to talk about these things. And it was a process for me. I've been so honest in these interviews. I mean, to the extent that, that sometimes when I'm talking about my like 
journey to learning more about race and how to talk, not more about race, but how to talk about race, I kind of feel like the bumbling sitcom dad. (laughs) (laughs) But when I'm doing it, especially in front of an audience where I can see their faces, they're responding. They're nodding. I see every all of all of the white ladies in the audience are nodding. They're just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so I, I grew up yeah. in a very very white suburb, white town, um, right outside Philly. My high school was just blindingly white. I um, went to an all girls um, Catholic school, and then I went to Penn. And my college claimed it was diverse. <laughs> they were diverse, and not shitting on Penn, but people hung out with people mm-hmm. like them, like black kids. Um, there's a whole separate dorm um, where the black kids could choose to live, but there were also like bars that black kids went to and black um, sororities and fraternities. And Christine talked about this last night that her college was very similar. Absolutely. And so I did not, I had a lot of like work friends and acquaintances and people I'd get drinks with and, but not a close friend, not like a sleep over your house and like, drink until three in the morning friend until I met Christine and yeah, we're good at drinking until three in the morning. Sure are. <laughs> sure are. Practice makes perfect. So it's true. It's true. Just set goals. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it was a muscle that I hadn't developed that I didn't have, like talking about race with a close friend in an intimate space with a black woman. And it was a learning process of three years. And we say that all the time. We're writing a book about race we're constantly talking about race I was terrified in the beginning and this was my reticence I'm like I don't want to say something stupid I don't want to fuck I don't want to fuck up this new friendship that I really really like what if I say the wrong thing and Christine for her part kind of took it as apathy like Joe doesn't have to think about race or talk about race and she doesn't want to and for me it was more like I'm terrified anxiety wrong anxiety so we both had this anxiety that we didn't talk about there's all the elephants that are in the room and we tried to get all of that down on the page but I love it that you guys talk about how important it is to talk about race in friendships and bringing your authentic self, because I do feel that I'm the closest to my white friends where we have this, you know, kind of, mm-hmm. as you said, it's it's like a shorthand or a trust or like when something happens, they know exactly how I feel, right? We're not like starting from scratch mm-hmm. of, so, you know, what, 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 what are you thinking right now? Or, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just... <laughs> Boy, that whole kneeling thing. What what do you think about? Yeah, exactly. Right, right. (laughs) Colin Kaepernick, thoughts? (laughs) So it's so true because, I mean, not just in friendships, but I've also dated interracially. And I know that, like, that's an evolution, too, to the point where, like, you know, like, I need to be able to be silent in a moment where microaggression is happening. And I need Mm -hmm. to, as the white person, to be like, what the you know, like I yes. need yep. to like, yes. verbalize it, say it, yell at the person, like on my behalf, if if you feel so inclined, like, because yes. I'm doing that throughout my whole life all day, every day. And it's very exhausting. And so it's always like, I love when Jess is with me and like something happens and I'm like, you saw that, right? <laughs> yes, a witness who gets it. Oh my God. That is so crazy. People I think don't get that, right? Like just, yeah. Somebody who understands that's, that's well, priceless. So that was the very interesting part about going through this book writing and publishing process together. You know, especially mm-hmm. as we were the early days, we're writing the book and shopping the book and talking to different editors. Like, I was there when and publishing is a very very white world, right? Like, mm-hmm. I was there through the whole thing when we think that when someone said something and 
Christine's like, you heard that, right? And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh. oh, I heard it. Like, that was, what just happened was real, yeah. man. And so that was invaluable. But I think before our friendship, I just, I didn't think about it. I'm like, does she want me? Does, does she want me to like, you know, speak up? Does she want me to fight for her? Like, what is, what is my role? And that just comes from trial and error. And it's mm-hmm. different in every friendship yeah. too. Yes, and, but we did eventually figure that out mm-hmm. with each other. With each other, I, I think it's. I, I have uh, the perspective that I that I bring on this is I, I grew up in a, a really diverse area. I went to a New York City public school. Most of my friends were not white at a young age. They were, you know, every color. It was it was the United Nations at my school. It was pretty awesome. But we didn't. We didn't talk about race because we were children. We talked about who we had crushes on and music yeah. and, and what, you know, who was wearing something awful to school that day. But it's not like we didn't recognize it. Like right. we, we, we saw it. Like we knew that if we were going to get in trouble, that the black kids were going to get in worse trouble. And so we would, you know, tell them to, you know, go before they get here. Like, we've got it. Like, we, we'd, we would have conversations about race without having conversations about race. Mm-hmm. But then I went to college, which got real white. And then I moved to D.C., which got even whiter because I was working in that little triangle of Capitol Hill, not in actual D.C., where plenty of black people live. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Minnesota and it got as white as I have ever seen it. And so my friendship with Zerlina was sort of the first close black female friend that I had had since high school Uh and the dynamic was completely different because we're adults that come from like intersectional feminism and that was how we met so we met talking about this stuff and that just continued straight into the friendship and I I wish I wish I could go back and like have those explicit conversations with the girls that I grew up with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it it's it's very different as an adult and just making friends as an adult with all of the things that you bring to that friendship that like when you're kids you're just, you know, you're finding things that you like about each other and that's that. So I'm curious the trajectory of a friendship that starts as children and then continues into adulthood when you start having these conversations and like what does that do to what does that do to the to the friendship? Like, does the friendship survive a sort of awakening where you both all of a sudden after 10, 15 years of knowing each other start talking about this stuff? That is a really good question. And we keep asking ourselves of our characters, Riley and Jen, you know, would they be friends if they met now in their early thirties? And our answer is probably not. Like their lives and their experiences that they've had since high school, right? Are so, where their paths diverged and Riley moves away are so different. I think they would have had a much harder time finding common ground. Um, And so that's what's really interesting because so much of friendship too is timing when you meet somebody in your life and what kinds of conversations that you're open to. I mean, Joe and I might not have met if we had not met in a professional capacity and been, you know, kind of forced to talk over and over again and forced sounds negative, but you know, I mean, we were like, we were, had to be in each other's orbit for lots of different reasons. And that allowed us to push through. It sounds like the same for you guys where, you know, like you're, you're meeting and talking, I'm passionate about almost something else besides your friendship. And then your friendship Mm -hmm. grows out of that. Um, Yeah. And we're meeting and talking and we're passionate about books and stories. Yeah, exactly. Charlotte, Walsh was so much about, you know, women and ambition and power. And so we're getting into that, Mm -hmm. right? And yeah, but it was, it's interesting because Charlotte, 
was set in such a white world too because mm -hmm. Charlotte is in politics. She comes from Silicon Valley, the whitest of the white, um, and grew up in Northeast Pennsylvania, which is where my extended family is from. And it's just like very, very lily white. So race didn't come up that much for us when we were writing and working on Charlotte. Right, no, yeah. not at all. Yeah. How did you know that like you could trust Joe? If you weren't, if you didn't start talking about race in the beginning, like, I feel like that's, that's one of the barriers yeah. to interracial friendships is mm -hmm. that like white people feel anxiety about talking about race and, and, and how to approach a black person who they want to be friends with, et cetera. You know, we, we, we live real deep in our own personal anxieties, but on the other hand, like I, <laughs> I if I were a black woman, I would have a real hard time being like, yes, I want to seek out the friendship of this white woman. I don't know how she feels about racial issues, oh but like, how do you, how do you build the trust? You really nailed it. And I think I'm just going to add another layer to that, which was this was also 2017. And I think, you know, the post-Trump era, uh, I was just much more wary of white people in general, to be honest, you know? I mean, it was like a, a splash of cold water to any idealism that I might have had about some kumbaya post-racial world. It was like, oh no, this is the real world that we live in. And I was suspicious of everyone. Um, and you know, not wanting to leave the bubble of New York City at all. And so when I met Joe, that was also all playing in the background. So on one hand, it made me that much more motivated to write a book about race because of what was going on in larger society. But on a personal level, it's just as you described. I didn't know anything about Joe's family. I didn't know anything about her, you know, cousins or uncles, or she went to blackface at a sorority party 10 years ago, <laughs> you know, like, right. you just, like, don't know about people. Whereas the white friends, the close white friends I had had previously, I've known since we were in elementary school or middle school. So I kind of had that background of their families and everything. So it was a lot of baby steps to be able to trust Joe. And I don't think she knew how much that was going on behind the scenes for me, like how apprehensive I was. And so then we were diving into these conversations. For me, the stakes felt very high. And I think a lot of, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but I think a lot of it for her was, we're working on a book, like we're working, we're working, we're working. When the conversations were coming up about race in the context of our book, but I'm like, no, actually, this is a real world component. You know, I need to know about your other black friendships and why you don't have them. And I need to know about your family and I need to know, you know, so there was like some question asking and it was hard. It was, it was, it was. It was, it was. And I had to be, so, you know, Christine's like, why don't you have more close black friends? And at first my reaction was to be defensive. Of course. Uh, which then I'm like, well, how was I supposed to make that, make them? I'm, I'm live here and I live here. And, um, and that was just completely the most wrong reaction I could have. Um, Cause then Christina's anxious. She's like, I guess I can't talk about this stuff with you. Like, look at you, like you're so fragile and now I'm going anxious about <laughs> you. Um, well, it's also, I think it's so funny that a lot of white people consider that an, an indictment, like an, an accusation totally, when really yeah. it's just, you know, like what are, I, I think we all want to be intentional about our diverse friendship circles or how we make friends. Right. So it was in the context of our book and really like, how, how do you, and how would you make friends? Like you haven't done it, but how, you know what I mean? So it was less, it was less an indictment, but you know, people do take it that way. <laughs> and I was just a stereotypical white <laughs> <laughs> uh, completely that way. Uh, but one of the things we really hope that we got on the page 
is it like first off this wasn't easy there was not like one big kumbaya moment where like we're like Oh, we had the race talk. Yeah. March <laughs> 28th now. from 10 to 11. <laughs> Checkbox. We're uh, done. Done now. Okay. Um, no, uh, but it was three years. But like now our friendship is so much better because, you know, kind of as you mentioned, like now we do have this like safe space, yeah. this like comfortable place to be and have these conversations. And we're writing a whole other, another book about race together. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazing. Which, and- no, I mean, it would, it would have been a lot easier if we're like, well, let's just write a book about puppies and road trips next. Um, <laughs> but no, nope, 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 nope. and uh, we're just, and we're happy and we're fun. We're like, we're having fun together. We're on this book tour. We're in Nashville and eating all the hot chicken. Oh, hot God. Oh, hot I love hot chicken. Princes. So I've actually been a part of our friendship. <laughs> it is. We're going to have true. some food, ladies. Don't worry. Don't you worry. Don't you oh, worry. Good. Don't I'm jealous. It destroyed me. I'm, I'm going back for more. I'm just a glutton for punishment. <laughs> it's so yeah. Cool. Yeah, no, I, 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 please, um, order some extra for us. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll in, send it to you on the grams. That would be great yes, if yes. you would, if you would Instagram some hot chicken for me. It has been a very long time. I went to a place in New York where the Yelp reviews said it, that it was as good as Nashville hot chicken, and it was so not. Ugh. And I got really sad. So I'm really glad that you guys are in Nashville. That's like the real, the real thing. thing. No, that's, I know. That's a dirty lie. I yeah, really, it was me in New York where they're like. We've got the best Philly cheesesteaks. And I was like, F you. No. No. Right. Just stick no, with pizza mean, and bagels, yeah. New York. That, we already it. have a lane. We yes. already we have multiple lanes. Yes. Okay. Please enjoy the hell out of Nashville. And please, like, can we have both of you back to talk about your new? Oh book my god, we would love that. This literally so anything nice. else you want to. Christine Pride and Joe Piazza. The book is We Are Not Like Them. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you all so much for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Zerlina Maxwell, at Jess underscore MC, and at Signal Boost Show. 